Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Wednesday. It's May 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, it's a major championship week in the world of golf. The PGA Championship set to take place at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. Weather might be a little chilly for the guys at times this week. Uh, potentially some rain as well in the forecast, but we'll figure out what to do. Alex Myers of Golf Digest set to join us around 11.15 today to help help figure out where to go, who we should be rooting for, and the type of golf course that this uh, sets up to be and play as for the week. But we also have plenty of NBA discussion to get into. The playoffs, the Western Conference Finals yesterday between the Lakers and the Nuggets and there's an Eastern Conference Finals game one tonight so let's start there with the poll questions kdos1060.com poll question who do you have tonight in game one Celtics minus eight Heat plus eight and the masses are on the heat side of things at 75% of the vote Celtics trailing at 25% yeah the certainly the Celtics the way that the schedule is formulated here they don't have the really quick turnaround after the Sunday victory to eliminate Philadelphia, it wasn't like certainly the Warriors had, uh, you know, obviously a, a two-day disadvantage uh, when they started the Western Conference semifinals. Of course, the Warriors, you know, Warriors went seven games with the Kings in the first round, and the Lakers took care of uh, Memphis much quicker. I think it was six games in that first round. So it's not a situation like that. So, uh, you know, it seems like there's been – it, it, there's been very little line movement. I'm, you know, it's hard to sometimes tell whether that's just a lack of handle or whether it's just a two-way action. Um, we will certainly answer this question around 11.30 today. Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Bob, I know you love the hotly contested votes, and unfortunately this one is not turning out to be that way. Do you Disappointing. Clo- <laughs> Do you closely follow the NBA draft process, including the Tuesday night reveal of the lottery order and remaining out in front is no at 100% of the vote. However, I will add this. You had Isaac Trotter on 24-7 Sports talking all things NBA draft and the draft process and, and uh, obviously prospects. It was a great interview, so you should podcast over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app to listen to what Isaac had to say. It is my mission over the next four or five weeks or however it is till the draft people become more interested in the draft maybe i don't know if the sun's you know flaming out and the fact that i don't even know when they draft in the first round it's in the 20s right uh but uh they're certainly not in a lottery situation there are no asu or u of a players that have a prayer of being drafted in the first round to billis might be drafted in the second round the combine's actually going on as we speak 
uh, and he needs a good combine. Uh, Pella Larson, by the way, who was you know, going to compete in the combine, dropped out, and uh, he's now going back to the U of A for another year of college. And we will answer this question as well, and hopefully throughout the process of today's show, we can get some yes votes over there as well on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. As I mentioned, Alex Myers Golf Digest at 1115 today. Your calls at 1030, 602, 260, 1060. As I mentioned, the NBA playoffs with the Western Conference Finals underway yesterday. Nuggets took game one, 132 to 126 win for Denver. Jokic, this was unbelievable. He had 12 rebounds in the first quarter. Uh, he ended up with 30, yeah. and then another triple double for him. Ended up with 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists on 12 of 17 and three of three from three. Contributing as well for the Nuggets, he had Jamal Murray with 31 points, KCP with 21 points. Now for the Lakers, they got a good performance from Anthony Davis offensively, and 40 points for him, 14 of 23 with 10 boards. LeBron added in 26 points, nine of 16, 0 of four from three, and 12 rebounds. And then off the bench, Rui Hachimura, 17 points, 8 of 11. And uh, he also then was tasked with guarding Jokic later on in the game. Yeah, and that actually worked out pretty well. Jokic had zero field goals in the fourth quarter and uh, only three points off in the free throw line. And uh, a lot of speculation that you know Hachimura is either going to start or get a lot more time. And he certainly, he was out there for pretty much the entire second half because they thought, uh, and it certainly statistically worked out, uh, that he was matched up, quote, unquote, against Jokic more, and Davis was more of a help defender. And uh, certainly the Lakers benefited from that. Uh, Yeah, also, I thought Sam Mitchell on NBA uh, TV last night, former coach Sam Mitchell, after former player Sam Mitchell, thought he had a really good point that he kind of wished that maybe they'd save that for the second game uh, for an adjustment in game two uh, because they ended up losing game one anyway. And uh, that might have been a surprise element that they could have used in game two, but they can't use it now. You mentioned the rebounding. The Nuggets got 20 of the first 23 rebounds in this game, and the Nuggets won damn near every 50-50 ball for really three quarters. Uh, also, they had 19 fast break points, but 17 of those were in the first half. That's when the Nuggets were getting some stops. So we'll see how that goes. Also, I would assume in game two that Aaron Gordon's going to guard LeBron more. I don't know how this worked out, but Murray ended up on LeBron a lot, and he had five fouls, and at least three of those were guarding LeBron. They need to try to somehow avoid that, and uh, it seems like they should. Another thing on the Lakers' side, uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, he was horrible. Uh, He got torched. Uh, In fact, he basically got benched uh, for most of the second half if he's not making shots, he really has no use of being on the floor. He was four for 11. He is an awful defender. And much like you know the Nuggets, who did a nice job of targeting the Suns' inferior defenders, they really attacked and went after D'Angelo Russell at the defensive end. 
Yeah, so, you know, a couple of different things here. I thought it was interesting that the switches kept happening and Jamal Murray on uh, LeBron, and that was that was not helpful better for, for Murray. And at one point, they actually had that to— That was even—I'm that. I'm sorry, but that even happened—that was the assigned, you know— you know that that was you know, it was before the switches. He was actually guarding Murray. Or excuse me, he was Murray was guarding LeBron more than occasionally. They got other guys. What's going on there? I, I was completely mystified by that. It was also interesting that they had to use a challenge uh, to also get the foul off of Murray and onto right. Jokic. It wasn't even a foul situation to take anything away. It was just a transfer of foul because otherwise it was going to be a precarious situation. Uh, but I, I think the question for me here is, yes, Rui Achimura had a great success in changing up the defensive game plan for the Nuggets later against the Nuggets later on in that game. And Darvin Ham has made a lot of adjustments. He's certainly been willing to make adjustments. So you'd have to think Rui might get the start. Uh, I guess my only question here is how much of it was Rui and his size and his ability to change up the looks to Jokic versus maybe Jokic a little bit tired at the end of the game? I'm not sure he was tired, but um, I think more of it had to do with the fact that that game, you know, Anthony Davis was basically, out of lack of a better term for me, more of a rover at that point, and he was the one that often double-teamed Jokic, and you know, that that worked out really well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, there, I think there's a, a lot of intrigue heading into this next game, and uh, like I mentioned, I give Sam Mitchell total credit for this. I'm stealing from him entirely, and he's a former coach, so I think he's a good source here about maybe they should have saved some of this stuff for game two. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so then we have uh, as well big time game two on Thursday. And to your point as well, the Nuggets, though, have gone on to be so far undefeated at home in these playoffs. I think for me, though, heading into this contest, I thought the Nuggets were going to take game one. Uh, just certainly something that they were uh, being able to play to the crowd, have their guys back. Once again, you had another ex astounding performance from Bruce Brown off of the bench uh, and, and just kind of being able to capitalize on maybe some slower starts there from from the Lakers. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Bruce Brown. We mentioned, uh, at least you know, I think we both did, but I definitely mentioned it a lot. That guy's really good. <laughs> He's a really versatile player. We've seen him do several things in you know three different locations in his career, in Detroit and in Brooklyn and now in Denver. And he pretty much does whatever needs to be done. Uh, and it's seemingly never the same thing. He's always a very versatile player. The other thing is I'm sure that Michael Malone is, uh, uh, if he didn't do it, you know, I, I probably was even doing it by the fourth quarter last night. The four of their five starters into this game with five fouls. They, they've got to avoid that uh, in future games of this series or they're going to be in trouble. Uh, switching gears here to the Heat and the Celtics game tonight, 5.30 p.m., getting the Eastern Conference Finals underway. For a team that didn't score points or a lot of points and shoot the three very well, the Heat obviously have turned that up a notch here in the playoffs. They rank sixth in three-point attempt rate at 38.1% and eighth in knocking them down at 36.4%. The Celtics should be able to defend the three well there uh, as they did so 
efficiently in the regular season. Plus, the Celtics are a team that like to shoot the three ball. And the Heat, maybe that's their area of defense that they aren't as strong at is guarding the perimeter. So this is kind of going to be an interesting matchup just from uh, that sort of perspective behind the arc. Yeah, even though I'm not real sure how to break this down because they've been, you know, the regular season is usually a better barometer. Uh, but you know, maybe once you get to the playoffs, it's more of a, you know, certainly there's much more scouting in game to game than there are during the, you know, the regular season when you play somebody, you know, X number of times, you know, three or four times tops. Uh, so maybe that's a big deal. Um, you know, the Celtics' defensive numbers were really good, whether you go old time or new school. Uh, in the regular season, they've been not good at all for the majority of the postseason. So I don't know if any of his reg- I don't know if any of the Celtics' regular season numbers, offense or defense, really make much of a difference because it seems like that they've been drastically different during the uh, during the postseason. And I realize they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't think anybody could really say that the Celtics have played well during the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, the Celtics haven't played well the first two rounds of the playoffs. And I think you obviously had that incredible performance from Jason Tatum in Game 7, 51 points. He's had some slow starts. I don't know that they can uh, have those slow starts, as you've mentioned as well. Jalen Brown staying out of foul trouble here. Jimmy Butler, how will he continue to elevate his play? And then I think the big uh, thing here heading into it is also the coaching matchup. You have Eric Spolstra versus Joe Mazzulla. And Eric Spolster has had some time uh, to get this team ready ahead of game one tonight. I think this is a huge – I can't imagine there's going to be – I'm trying to think when there might have been in the past. I don't think there's been a bigger coaching mismatch than this in a long time in the playoffs. I don't think much of Missoula – I mentioned that during the playoffs. It's inexplicable to me and others – uh, why they didn't or why he didn't use Robert Williams and uh, Al Horford together until they were down three games to two against the Sixers. And it was a desperation type of thing. And, oh, my God, it actually worked. How about that? Who would have ever imagined that? Everybody imagined that except for Joe Mazzula and the Celtics organization. I don't, know much Brad, I don't know how much Brad Stevens has to do with the actual lineup thing and whatever else is going on there metrically. But – they were really stupid in that series. They, that series shouldn't have been close. And it turned out to be a seven-game series and when they had to win the last two games. Uh, the other thing here that I look at is that um, this has to be, like you had talked about it, that the overwhelming favorite in this series and the odds is the Celtics to get the win. But in order to steal a game, uh, this has to be the game that Miami comes out firing on all cylinders, having that, you know, kind of punch in the mouth, uh, Eric Spolstra, coaching mismatches, et cetera. And plus, they have the rest heading into it. Like, this is the game, right? Either one. I mean, you win one of the first two games and you, you know, steal one on the road and win at home is usually a pretty good formula. However, you know, if I remember correctly, you know, Miami home and road in the postseason, not just this year, but in past years when they've been successful, certainly. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals now three of the last four years. It doesn't really seem like home and road means a whole lot for them, quite frankly, but yeah, I don't think it's a must-win tonight. I think it'd be in their best interest if they won one of the first two games of the series. So we'll see how that goes. As far as the odds are concerned, 
you know, they're huge favorites to win the series, the Celtics. You know, I've even saw a couple of five and a half to one uh, as far as series prices yesterday. But, you know, I also continue to point out here, I don't think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in Arizona are new to sports gambling, obviously, and sports wagering. Those aren't the odds makers. They're not saying that that's not their, the, the odds, the odds to actually win the actual series. They're incorporating all the future bets that they've taken in literally almost 12 months now because those future bet things go up like the second the season ends this year, they'll have them up for next year. Uh, so those aren't you know, true odds to win the series as far as you know, the bookmakers are concerned. They're just trying to balance their books a little bit. And uh, in this case, you know, who has, who's had more money in the last 12 months to win the NBA championship, the Celtics or the Heat? Obviously the Celtics, and I think that's uh, – the biggest reason why this is just an overwhelming series price because they're just trying to cover their ass and protect their uh, protect possible losses if the Heat would score another upset in the in the, in the playoff round. With the recent firing of Doc Rivers from the 76ers yesterday, the Suns letting go of Monty Williams, it got me thinking about this trend that maybe we're seeing for coaches being let go here within the last month around the NBA. So I thought we could dive into the coaches here and then maybe explore what trend we're kind of seeing with why this is potentially happening. Uh, We'll get into that here on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point, KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Wednesday, May 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you. Morning Drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. I'd recommend downloading the KDOS app today, registering and following along with your opportunity to win a $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports. Uh, The contest is running through the end of the month, so the more you follow along with the directions, the more entries you have in order to be a potential winner. That's once again the KDOS 1060 app. All right, so there's been a lot of, can I call it high-profile firings in the NBA? Uh, with Doc Rivers being fired yesterday from the 76ers. You also had the Bucks moving on from Mike Budenholzer, the Raptors moving on from Nick Nurse, and the Suns, of course, here locally moving on from Monty Williams. It got me thinking about maybe what trend we're seeing here in the NBA. Obviously, Doc Rivers is an NBA champion head coach. He was not, though, with the 76ers. In his three seasons in Philadelphia in 2021, a 49-20, record 7 and 5 in the playoffs 2022 51 and 31 2023 54 and 28 they did make the playoffs all three seasons but failed to advance uh, to the championship 
I do have to think that there's probably going to be some major changes to the 76ers with what pieces they're going to uh, have around Embiid. It already looks like Harden is going to be exercising his option to get out of his contract. So we'll see if he does come back with the 76ers. But, you know, this is obviously a high pedigree uh, uh, coach, but also highly polarizing as well as maybe a lot of Philadelphia fans grew frustrated with Doc Rivers and their lack of ability to make it uh, to the championship round. Philadelphia fans need to get a clue. Um you know, they improved every year during the regular season with Doc Rivers in spite of their roster not improving. Uh, also, I think there has been kind of a shift on the Harden thing because most people seem to believe that Harden's the reason that Doc got fired and that he's now going to stay in Philadelphia. And uh, he, you know, that, you know, remember the general manager, you know, Maury, they were all together in Houston and so forth. And, uh, you know, the Mike D'Antoni thing is out there, which would be, I love Mike D'Antoni, very nice guy, was always nice and on this show quite a bit back in the day with the Suns. But that would be just stupid if they actually hired him and got rid of Doc. Also, I heard all this stuff, he's lost the most Game 7s in NBA history. That's correct. The guy that's lost the second most Game 7s in NBA history is Pat Riley, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm guessing, actually, Doc has... If I heard this right yesterday, he has the seventh most wins in NBA history, and the first the top, the guys that are six the six ahead of him are all in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame coach, but this is just stupid. Uh, the, he's he's actually been an underdog in more than 50 percent of the game sevens he's been in, so he wasn't supposed to even get to a game seven. Uh, so you know th- this notion that this is Doc Rivers' fault, this notion that it's Monty Williams' fault is just complete stupid nonsense. These are poorly constructed teams. And also, I think the biggest issue I have with kind of this whole notion is this crap's been going on in the NBA forever. And I mean forever. I'll give you two examples from a long time ago. And, uh, you know, the NBA, like no other professional sports league that I'm aware of, you know, the players run the show. Uh, In 1982, Less than a year calendar-wise after Magic Johnson and the Lakers won the NBA championship with Paul Westhead as the head coach. Johnson led a mutiny uh, at the start of the next season or shortly after the start of the next season to get Westhead fired, and he was fired, replaced by Pat Riley, ironically. Also in 1969, uh, Will Chamberlain did something similar with uh, – you know, Butch Van Bredikoff, I get all my Van Bredikoffs mixed up over there from 50 years ago. But uh, the Van Bredikoff that was the Lakers coach in 1969, uh, they had the controversy of Wilt being injured or not injured in the final game of the season. In Game 7, they lost to the Celtics. That got him fired because Wilt didn't want him around. So this thing has been going on forever, and if a player – doesn't want a head coach and has enough clout the head coach is gone uh you know certainly we'll get into that a little bit more you did mention monty williams as we continue to go through some of these coaches here uh the sun's head coach from 2019 to 2023 he was nba coach of the year in 2022 nbca coach of the year 2021 2022 he had a 194 and 115 record with the suns and of course the finals appearance in 2021 and then semifinal losses 2022 2023 obviously when we're having a conversation 
conversation, you're never going to say no, don't make it to an NBA Finals. But do you think in the the timeline and the evolution of the team that it changed the trajectory for them to kind of get to that NBA Finals in 2021, maybe quote unquote ahead of schedule? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, what I don't think is fair is that he got fired. And in uh, the case of the Suns and the Sixers, how do the general managers still have jobs? Yeah, they those two guys, you know, James Jones and and Nero Mori, I thought did horrendous jobs. They had you know, in Jones's case two off seasons to build a bench and did not. And the bench obviously got worse after the Durant trade. And you know, I'm not blaming Jones for that because the owner obviously was completely in charge of that. You know, the new owner wanted to make a splash, and whether he made a splash or not, I think is still to be determined. Uh, but you know the you know, possible you know the de- the depth which was shaky to begin with uh, was obviously less than shaky after that particular trade, and then I have no explanation, and I said this during the season more than once, and uh, definitely uh, if we if I was actually here, I mean I was on you know my leave of absence, my medical leave of absence, but. You know, you know, from afar, I remember was watching the postseason or the offseason, excuse me, last year in the NBA, wondering, like, what the hell? Why aren't the Sixers doing something here to make their roster better? And they didn't. Uh, so, you know, they both lost early or earlier than some anticipated uh, in the playoffs, even though, once again, the Sixers were not favored to win the series before it started against the Celtics. They weren't favored to win even game six at Philadelphia, or obviously they weren't favored to win game seven at Boston. And the coach takes the fall and the general manager stays employed. Now, uh, the Bucks here fired Mike Budenholzer. He spent five years in Milwaukee, NBA Coach of the Year 2015-2019, NBCA Coach of the Year 2019-2020, and NBA Champion in 2021, 271 and 120 record with the Bucks. Do you view this particular situation maybe differently than Doc or Monty Williams? I do, because I think you can look at uh, the Budenholzer's actual tactics and strategy, and this just isn't in Milwaukee. You know, a lot of people have forgot by now that he was the head coach in Atlanta, and they were good. In regular season, they were really good, and they were the higher seed more than once when they got eliminated in Atlanta, and obviously that's happened in Milwaukee. And the fact that he just seems to be so stubborn – that the defensive end of the floor, that he's not going to change his defensive philosophy. And it's happened time after time after time with two different organizations. This certainly more than Williams and Rivers is far more justified for the coach being fired. Nick Nurse with the Raptors. This is kind of an interesting situation here. He was in a Raptors assistant from 2013 to 2018, then, of course, became the head coach 2018 to 2023, NBA Coach of the Year in 2020, and NBA Champion in 2019 with the Raptors, 227 and 163 record. Uh, but for the longest time, it was being reported that like Nick Nurse wanted out. Uh, there was always... The rumors as well about him potentially going to uh, the Lakers when their their vacancy was open. And so I don't know that I can categorize this in the same vein as the other three. However, it's still a high-profile coach here in the last month that's out. Yeah, I think you're right about that whole assessment there. 
that uh, don't think this quite falls into the same category. I'm not exactly real sure how Nick Nurse became a genius uh, because Kawhi Leonard was great for an unbelievable run in one playoff run and the, the championship run, and uh, they won the championship. But yeah, you know, because of that, you know, I, mean, I don't know if anybody was declaring Nick Nurse as a genius before that. Um, and you know, I think that he's that things have happened in all his fault because once again, some interesting roster construction in Toronto. But not just you know that they weren't going to keep they weren't going to keep Leonard in a million years. Uh, he was going to go to you know, Los Angeles no matter what. But you know the I don't think he was given a fair deck here at the end. But I, I'm still and I said this at the time too. And maybe I got sucked in a little bit. But I just don't understand how one playoff run makes you like the greatest coach in NBA history. I'm being, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but not that out of hand sarcastic. So with these coaching vacancies now available and their ousters uh, around the league, I know that you were talking there about how if a, a star player doesn't like you, this has been going on for years, that they have the clout to be able to move along. I, I, and I, I don't disagree with that. I just kind of was looking at this and trying to say, well, is there maybe something more to why we're seeing these type of caliber coaches out so quickly? And do we think it's a trend of impatience around Around the league that there's this uh, only one team can win every year but we're trending toward impatience that if you don't get it done then you're out I think that's more of a professional sports thing than it is an NBA thing actually because if you just look at NBA history you know, I gave you two examples from 1969 and 1982 this has been going on for 50 years it's been on going on really since the you know, if the Celtics had ever lost a championship in the 60s, it might have happened then too. But not only did they win seemingly every championship for a decade, they were supposed to. <laughs> so, you know, there wasn't, you know, there was less of a, there certainly the, uh, you know, national scrutiny and, you know, long before national television games, you know, you know, I remember 1979, the final game of the NBA season in the finals the Sixers and the Lakers, that game was on tape delay on ABC or whoever carried them. I think it was ABC, might have been CBS. But whatever it was, it was on tape delay. I was actually living in Prescott then. And uh, that's the 1979-80 season. And I was I went to a party at a, you know, a, a friend's house that night. And we, he had a big sign on the door is don't let anybody know who won the game because we we're going to watch the game on tape delay, not knowing who won. That's how crazy it was back then compared to what the media scrutiny and the way that the game is covered now. There's one more question I have regarding coaches. We'll get into that on the other side of the break, but wanted to make sure we'd have time for your calls if you'd like to join the show. So give us a buzz, 602-260-1060, and we'll get to you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. (laughs) 
1041 right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. We'll get to your calls here in just one second. The number 602-260-1060. I wanted to go back and ask my last uh, NBA head coaching question here on my premise of are we seeing a trend in impatience and you rightfully pointing out that it may not be just an NBA problem, that it's a professional sports problem here. So with names now available, we went through them, Budenholzer, Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse, Monty Williams. Uh, do we think that they're going to be getting jobs or with the premise of impatience, is it going to lead to maybe uh, you seeing something in the tape saying, no, you know what, uh, this philosophy isn't going to work. Let's try new blood. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, it looks like Ty Lue is off the market. And look, you asked the other day, what, you know, what, you know, where is this coming from? I think we found out on Monday night that it is coming from the Ty Lue camp. And there's either he or his representation, because in the last you know, 24 to 48 hours now, uh, you know, Steve Ballmer, and also I've gone completely blank and forgot the name of the general manager of the Clippers, but they both come out and said that they want to sign you know, Ty Lue to a contract extension, and it appears that's going to happen. And I assume that that was probably, uh, you know, Somebody, I'm just the, the connect the dots thing. Sometimes I'm right about this. Sometimes I'm wrong about this. But it seems like a logical thought process to connect the dots that, you know, the Lou Camp wanted it to be known or thought around the NBA that he wanted uh, to move on or a better deal. And he's going to get a better deal, apparently, to stay with the Clippers. Uh, Michael Winger is the general manager of the Clicker, Clippers. That's not the guy I was thinking of. So they got, must have some other you know, guy who used to be a coach in the NBA is like their player personnel guy or something like that. I get all these titles mixed up. But somebody I knew, and I just can't remember his name at the moment, used to be a coach maybe for the Nets possibly or something like that. But sorry, I'll, I'll try to figure this out here in the next, like, what do we got? I got an hour and 17 minutes to find this info, right? Yes. So I'm, I'll try hard. Perfect. We'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline now, 602-260-1060. Alan Phoenix, what's on your mind? Well, hey, Kayla, uh, uh, Bob, you know, you talk about NBA coaches. This is always an interesting subject. But this has been going on forever. And they also, in terms of new blood, that's not the trend from the NBA. They always they love retread. It looks like the example I always use is uh, Kevin Lafferty, whether it's lifetime losing record can huh. got job after job after job and i know there's the name i'm going to bring up is a is a sore one but terry stotts i bet he's gonna i wouldn't be surprised if someone's gonna give him a shot again he's not coaching anywhere and he's a lifelong retread the nba just loves you know they they, re, they don't give a lot of new opportunities instead they retread coaches and that just seems like the uh the trend the league's been on forever yeah i would uh completely uh, differentiate Lockery from Stotts. You know, Lockery was, as you mentioned, had a losing career record. Uh, Michael Jordan's first coach with the Bulls, if I remember correctly. Um, so they got better after he left, but you know, so did Michael and so did yeah. the roster. So maybe that's not too fair. Uh, Terry Stotts, in their hand, I think most everybody in the league thinks he's a tremendous offensive mind. And actually, I'm somewhat surprised that he's not coaching somewhere now. Maybe he doesn't want to anymore. 
Uh, well, but, he's 65. Uh, Who knows? Maybe, uh, I don't know. That's but, true. But. I don't think he's doing television anymore, so maybe I don't even know what he's doing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think those are two completely different guys. Um, I thought that Lockery was just kind of a you – know, I'm not really sure why he was a head coach that many times, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. But, yeah. Terry Stotts, I thought that most of the you – know, he, he was like the greatest inbounds guy, you know, inbounds plays after timeouts that I maybe have ever seen, college or pro. Uh, and he was a really good offensive dude. And uh, I thought most of his Portland teams just maxed out. You know, they got to a con- at least one conference final, maybe two. Uh, yeah, I and they weren't that good. That, that was, that was impressive. Yeah, he had you – know, he did as much as he could do. But, you know, even the guys like Mike Brown, you know, he's – coach a number of different spots and you know and actually it seems like he's doing well where he's at so it's not like it's not always you know because they don't have uh, abilities and skills but i just uh, i could see each of these guys that got fired going they're you know rotating jobs to other teams and monty williams he's going to go somewhere i'm sure nick nurse i don't know but you know it's uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they're all hired by different teams this year yeah, I agree with that. I would, you know, I, I would, you know, I think that Doc might actually have the least uh, chance of being hired because he's been around and you know, he likes to play golf. Apparently, he's a great golfer and takes everybody's money on the golf course. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But then uh, he also has a television background. I thought he was really good on television back in the day. So he's got. I, if he wants to stay in basketball and not coach. He's got. I think he certainly would have some options. Plus. The Sixers still got to pay him like $20 million, right? Uh, Mon- the the, the yep. Suns owe Monty Williams $20 million still. So he doesn't have to coach either if he doesn't want to. Yeah, you know, with the Suns, I really don't know who they're going to find that's better than Monty Williams. I still, I'm still scratching my head on, uh, I, uh, yeah, what what they're, you know, what they're going to do to replace him. I, I, I wonder if James Jones, is he going to be on the chopping block too or? Well, he should have been gone. I mean, if you're going to get rid of Monty Williams, you got to get rid yeah. of the guy that's responsible for the current uh, situation. And I'm not uh, – James Jones had really say, apparently nothing to do with the Durant trade. That was going to happen because the ownership was going to get that, and that happened. But James Jones had the two previous seasons, off-seasons to you know basically improve a bench that was an, a weakness at the end of the last two seasons for the Suns including when they went to the finals and lost to the Bucks, And that didn't get better. And, uh, you know, I said at the time, I think I might have been the only person in Maricopa County that disagreed and didn't understand the campaign contract extension, but that was a stupid idea. Al, appreciate the call. Uh, We got another call on the line here, 602-260-1060. Vince in Phoenix, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I just uh, wanted to respond to... Uh, Bob's comments, I believe, yesterday about Oakland A's being as bad as they are. Um, the Worst A's team notor- this century. Well, the, the A's notoriously, well, that's probably true, notoriously have been bad. In the in the 12 years they were in Kansas City, where they were pretty much the laughing stock because if they had good players, they traded them to the Yankees. Uh uh, and then during that period, Charlie Finley bought the team. But during that period, they, out of out of the twelve seasons there, you know, at least four of them they lost uh, more than a hundred games. And uh, uh, baseball, of course, was, I guess, a different 
little bit of different game back then, but uh, the, the the A's have not, other than, a, didn't they have a few runs where they were in the playoffs? And um, Oh, yeah, they were really good. They were in the playoffs three seasons ago. Um, yeah. And they, they, they basically become a farm system for the – I don't care what happened when they were in Kansas City. Hell, I was like 10 years old. Uh, well, and you were young. You were older than that, but not much. Uh, but, I mean, it, I could care less what happened then. But this team that they currently have constructed is a joke. It's not even they, – they don't even have AAA players. It's some, it's some prominent starting positions on this team. They're really, really bad. And their bullpen before last night, uh, when they threw, you know, what, six scoreless innings? Uh, their bullpen was on historic pace of the worst ever in Major League Baseball. And their starting rotation is atrocious. They, they are a, a, an embarrassment to Major League Baseball that this is actually a team. And I don't care what happened in the 60s. This is now, and they suck. Well, uh, one little correction. I was a tad older than that. Uh, okay. Back, well, back then. I knew you were I mean, a little older, but not much. Well, I was born in 1944, so uh, you can okay, do the Okay, so you're, you're, you're even older I'm than I 80. thought. Huh? God I'm, bless I'm, you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, who owns the A's now? Uh, I have no idea who owns the A's. That's there a good was some question. sign in the outfield yet last night. I thought it said Olsen or something, but... I have no uh, idea. They, they were. It was dog night last night. And, Vince, uh, yeah, we well, appreciate the call. We're going to have to uh, wrap it's, it's this up here. Night. It's dog night. It's dog night every night for the A's because their their team is a, bu- a bunch of dogs, and, and that's not in a good way. Wrapping up hour number one next. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point, wrapping up hour number one on this Wednesday, May 17th. That mystery that we were referring to as we were having a conversation about the Clippers and Ty Lue uh, looking to be engaging in uh, talks about what his future is with the team. We were trying to figure out who is the general manager of the Clippers and who you were trying to, to think of. Mystery solved, Bob. Who was on your mind? Lawrence Frank, who used to be an NBA head coach, I believe, with the Nets and uh they have the longest list of executives I think I've ever seen. Uh, he's the president of basketball operations. Michael Winger, who you mentioned, is the general manager. They've got two assistant general managers. And then I have a list of the directory of executive type of things. And the, the list is as long as, you know, like from here to Los Angeles, if you go to I-10. I mean, it's really a long, long list of guys, including Jerry West, who's a consultant. Uh, two updates from uh, Chris Haynes, who, you know, TNT Bleacher Report uh, in regards to the Suns. He's reporting here that the Suns are likely to guarantee the full salary of Chris Paul for the 2023-2024 season. According to him, Paul is only guaranteed $15.8 million of his $30.8 million wage if he were to be waived by June 28th. So we'll have to monitor the June 28th deadline. In addition to that, Chris Haynes is 
who's reporting that the Suns have also started their uh, coaching search. And it looks like Kevin Young, who has been an associate head coach under Williams, will interview with the Suns as early as next week. And Young appears to have the backing of many Suns players. Why would you hire Monty Williams' assistant if you're going to fire Monty Williams? I just don't. That would be just a, another in a list of things of what the hell is going on here. I will say one thing is that I'm pretty, you know, Haynes has had lots of stories about Chris Paul in the last few years, and I think he's been accurate in almost all of them. So I don't know if they're buddies or whether it's an agent thing or whether he just has good sources or whatever, but you know, he's definitely been accurate in most of his reports regarding the Suns and Chris Paul. Uh, typically, we do our golf talk in this segment with the PGA Tour at the PGA Championship, the year's second major, Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, par 70, 7,349-yard event. Uh, well, we're going to move the in-depth conversation with Alex Myers Golf Digest around 11.15 or so today. Uh, the forecast for the week as of now looks to be somewhat chilly, and there could be some rain on Saturday when you're looking at the notable tee times here. You have Tommy Fleetwood, Cam Young, Hideki Matsuyama going out uh, in an afternoon morning wave. Xander Shoffley, Tyrrell Hatton, Dustin Johnson, afternoon morning wave. Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Phil Mickelson, afternoon morning wave. Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, Gary Woodland, morning afternoon. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, who is the defending champion, Colin Morikawa, morning afternoon. Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith, and John Rahm, morning afternoon. I want to also make mention of putting world our friends over at putting world will help you with your game with the performance studios to see how you can improve your stroke make more putts and beat your buddies located 16259 north scottsdale road in scottsdale open sunday through thursday 10 a.m to 10 p.m friday and saturday 10 a.m to midnight visit them at puttingworld.com We'll have that Alex Myers conversation around 11.15. We'll also have some baseball Diamondbacks discussion to kick off our number two. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060.